0: Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet, so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com with Gutter Helmet. You'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com.
1: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos on ninety three
2: WIBC. So let's rock. It. Hi, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer, right over there. Uh, nothing really. Out of the Delphi today, uh, out of the Delphi investigation, in terms of the affidavit, the sealed affidavit remains sealed. I, was, I called it yesterday. I mean, I, I wasn't 100% sold. We were going to see anything in that affidavit. Um, you know, how long has uh, the the murder suspect been on the radar of police and investigators? How do they get him? Are there others involved? Actually, that was somewhat
0: answered today, right? Well, it was talked about today. I don't know if it was answered. So in terms of the affidavit, you're right. Uh, The judge has decided it's going to remain sealed for now, for now being the key part of that. Because if in the next couple of weeks, next couple of days, the judge decides, you know what? I've looked over this and now we can release it because the prosecution turned in a new Version of the affidavit, a redacted version, uh, and now the judge is going to look at that. But keep in mind, Libby German's grandma, uh, she's been pretty outspoken about keeping this sealed up because okay. they don't want their information going out to the public. Yeah, I defer to them.
2: I mean, I I personally would like to know just because I'm a citizen of this state, and I'd like to know you know exactly what happened. And I think there's there's certain areas of this investigation people deserve to know what exactly the hell
0: is going on here now i'm with you i will side with the families of the victims every time but if you're a defense attorney if you're one of the guys that's tasked with defending uh the guy that's been charged with these two murders richard allen you're probably saying to yourself now wait a minute i understand that there's some emotional deals going on with the family here but our client needs these You know, things put out to the public so that way he gets a fair trial here. Because right now you're holding him for $2 million and nobody really knows why. So we'll get to that here in just a moment. But as you mentioned earlier, Nigel, we did get news of a bail hearing that was granted for Richard Allen as well. And I think this is for the first time, if not the first, and maybe the second. The prosecutors were saying in court that Richard Allen may not be the sole suspect in these killings. That's a
2: big deal. Yeah. it's something you and I have been talking about all along. Was there somebody else? Maybe there's something in the affidavit that would show that. The, um, but the prosecutor saying it in court right. pretty much confirms what we've been saying all along. Correct.
0: Uh, prosecutor McClellan's main arguments in keeping the affidavit sealed is the belief that Allen is not the only person involved in this case... And he also argued before the judge that if an unredacted affidavit was released, witnesses in the investigation could ultimately be harassed, and that's why the judge has decided to pump the brakes a little bit, the specially appointed judge, mind you, pump the brakes just a little bit. I'm going to review this over the Thanksgiving holiday. The judge stated that the holiday will not impede the progress of this trial, but it's pretty much expected that it's going to be at least a week before any more action on this trial.
2: The other thing that prosecutor did was motion for a gag order. like He didn't want anybody saying anything about this case. So if there was a gag order in this case, we wouldn't have been able to talk to Superintendent Carter last week. Right. He, the, the families of the victims aren't allowed to say anything. He wants a complete and, and total gag order on this case. No media whatsoever.
0: And that includes the grandmother of Libby German, who's been outspoken about keeping these things sealed up. Now, the judge has not ruled on that gag order. The judge could say, no, we're not going to do that. It's a high profile case. You know, the superintendent of the state police is probably going to have to speak to the media at some point. Uh, Let's go back to the guy that's been charged here, Richard Allen, because... I think it's fair to say, Nigel, we all want the same outcome. We want justice, yes. but we want justice to be right. This can't be something that's screwed up, and I hope they do things right. And if this is the guy, if Richard Allen is the guy, then we're going to have to figure out why he's being charged right now. He's being charged with murder, but is that murder one? Is it murder two? How do they get to that conclusion? Because when you're held with two million dollars bond the defense attorneys are going to want to know why and are you shaping the perception that he's already guilty well the
2: the defense attorneys have seen the affidavit they know quote unquote why
0: right and they don't think it's 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 worth a $2 million bail. They, they don't think it's worth bail at all. Andrew Baldwin is the lead attorney for Richard Allen, and he spoke after the court hearing today.
3: Now we're asking for the public for help. You're going to read that uh, probable cause affidavit online or wherever they get it, and uh, hopefully that's going to ring a bell for somebody to help us out because he is innocent. He has told us that uh, very emotionally. He has thanked us for our help. Uh, And we are anxious uh, for the public to read this. We're anxious for this thing to get going. And um, we'll see. And when you guys read the PCA, presuming that the judge grants our motion, you know, you will have to question, is this what happens after five years of an investigation? Is this what it is? We don't have any other evidence. We don't have any discovery. That's all we have. And we are not impressed.
2: I don't know. That doesn't sound good when we're talking about justice for Libby and Abby to me. Now, that, as a defense attorney, he's doing his due diligence in making it look like the court doesn't have a case. This is what he's paid to do. That's what right. he's doing. Actually, this is what we're paying him to do. I believe it's a public defender. Um, uh, so, 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 that when i hear him talk like that i'm like man and it, it, it screw what i think i'm you know i'm just worried about the families and getting justice for Libby and abby but when i hear him talk like that it's like well do they have a case is this really what it is i couldn't imagine them putting somebody in jail going through, you know jumping through all these hoops that they've had to jump through already just to you know On a whim. I'm not saying it is a whim, but the the attorneys are making it sound like a totally, completely different story than what it really is.
0: And it just seems like it's a little bit odd. Now, again, I am not a trial attorney. Let me make that perfectly clear. You don't say. (laughs) But the prosecution is the group that wants the affidavit sealed, not the defense. Normally, you would think the defense would want it sealed because there might be damaging information uh, to the suspect. But in this case, it's the other way around. The defense is like, open it up. Show everybody what you got because we don't think you have anything. And the prosecution publicly for the first time today says, you know what, there may be somebody else involved. Mm. So keep that sealed up. There's an awful lot going on. So when we say today in Delphi, yes, we didn't get the answers to the affidavit question, but we got quite a bit of headlines coming out of this trial today. We've also got some other legal stuff legal here. Legal stuff. In the state of Indiana. Mm. A testimony was heard from both sides yesterday in Dr. Caitlin Bernard's lawsuit against Todd Rikita. The attorney general here in indiana now dr bernard is suing rakita to keep him from accessing medical records at her practice it's here in indy where she performed an abortion on a 10 year old rape victim from ohio rakita is pushing to see if bernard had properly informed law enforcement about the abuse against the young girl her lawyers gave documentation
2: that said yes she did And Rakita's attorneys are like, well, did they do it in Indiana? Did they do it in in Ohio? Did they inform everybody that need to be informed in a timely process? And they also want to know about any HIPAA violations. I don't don't know. There's anything he can do about that because that's not a. I don't know that that's a criminal thing. This whole thing is just weird to me, though, man. Like, isn't it? It's just kind of so many questions lingering you know why did the star even put the story out there with a second source did they have permission from the family of the victim should the doctor have confirmed this case before police arrested and charged this monster these were all things talked about yesterday did did the victim go back to the environment she was currently living in after the procedure uh, with her abuser um, and, and was it even necessary to cross state lines from Ohio to Indy in the first place? It's all narrative-driven,
0: man. And it is, it, it's is—it's really strange to me. The judge overseeing this case is now uh, looking over the testimony, all the evidence, uh, making a final decision as early as sometime next week. Might be a little longer than that, but it could happen as early as next week.
2: The weirdest thing to me is that Bernard testified that an Indy star reporter had quote overheard a conversation with another doctor about the case and that she never spoke to a reporter about it which is is that how they do it at the indy star now they're uh, i was talking to chris davis out in the hallway our news director our news director there's a conflicting report that says the indy star reporter followed up with the doctor um You know what I mean? So it's like, she's like, hey, this is what I heard. Is it true? And the doctor confirmed it. So there are conflicting, still conflicting reports out there. It's all very convoluted. A lot of legal stuff. I didn't watch uh, Monday Night Football last night. Who won? Was it
0: San Francisco won. They rolled,
2: right? Yeah. They're they're Super Bowl contenders. They've got a lot
0: of pieces, man. The defense is good. They picked up Christian McCaffrey. And if uh, Jimmy G can get it rolling. 49ers are Super Bowl contenders. Now, the game last night was in Mexico City. Oh, cool. So, a lot of players were saying that the altitude and the smog was a problem. Uh we heard that from the post-show interviews from a lot of the players, but I don't care about any of that. I want to talk about what I saw when that game came on last night. Um uh, check this out. This is the uh Spanish announcer. His name is John Sutcliffe, and this is how ESPN opened up Monday Night Football in Mexico City. Listen to this, and then try not to run through a wall.
4: Buenas noches, Mexico. John Sutcliffe, reportero de cancha, Estadio Azteca. Vamos enseñar la pasión, the passion for la
2: Los 49ers
5: y los 49ers en
2: Monday Night Football. ¡Viva México! ¡Viva la NFL!
1: ¡Y viva Monday Night Football! ¡Monday Night! ¡Por 10 pies!
2: We didn't get this guy for the Colts Monday night
0: football game next week? I want him to do every Monday night game, <laughs> I want not him just to do in every, Mexico. I want him to do every Colts game. Right. How much does it cost for John Sutcliffe <laughs> to come out to every game and just do that? And I want him to do it in Spanish Right. for the Colts
2: games on Monday
0: night. I, I don't have care about no idea what he was saying. <laughs> I He could have been bashing me and my family, but that sounded exciting, and I wanted to watch whatever was coming on next. Hot damn. Let's so,
2: run through a wall. So was he the... Is this guy that he works for
0: ESPN? ESPN uh, the, Deportes.
2: Deportes. Yeah. So but he was at like the stadium announcer. I don't believe so. Right. No. So because I know the crowd could hear him. Right. He was like, like on
0: the PA getting everybody fired okay. up. So right. I believe the folks in that crowd know who he is. Yeah. He's probably somebody to that crowd. But I didn't know who he was. And I watched and I'm sold. I, want... I will follow John Sutcliffe anywhere. I, well, I
2: wonder if we could hire him to open up the show. A brand new Hammer and Nigel show opening at the beginning of every hour.
0: Monday night! ESPN! I'm Hammer and Nigel! Viva NFL! <laughs> On the subject of international sports, Kylan, can I get some mood music, please? Did you see this World Cup reporter from Argentina allegedly robbed in the middle of a live report
2: so argentina by the way is severely upset by the saudis right that was crazy ending um i saw the story yeah yeah it doesn't seem like things like that there was such a huge crowd when this person was broadcasting that they didn't notice that they brushed up against him and all of a sudden my wallet's gone my wallet's gone Like the old pickpocket trip. You know, you bump into somebody. Like Jerry Seinfeld's dad when he lost his (laughs) wallet in the doctor's office. My wallet's gone! (laughs) Now, this is crazy. Listen to this. This is, um, uh, again, a World Cup reporter from Argentina robbed in the middle of a live report. She didn't notice all the crowd and the noise. They haven't caught the thief yet. But she said, police eventually told her that they would using security cameras and facial recognition technology. Okay, so they're, they're really going to go to all that trouble to catch a pickpocket for her.
0: Can we bring some of that here to Indianapolis? Yeah, because I know, yeah. like in certain parts of the city, they're starting to experiment with like the technology, the
2: gunshot detection technology, which helped, I, I believe, uh, the other night in an incident here in Indy. And yeah.
0: Broad Ripple, you know, the homicides are down in Broad Ripple. But, uh, yeah, this was crazy. Somebody bumps into the reporter doing, you know, the man on the street. You know, she's talking to all the crazy uh, soccer but we fans. We haven't even
2: gotten to the craziest part of this yet. So she says, this reporter from Argentina says, the cops there in Qatar told her she would be able to choose the thief's punishment when he's caught. I'm sorry, what? She gets to choose his punishment. Death. Five years in prison or deportation. Oh, they give her options. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't. I didn't know it was the policy. You cut the thieves' hands off over there.
0: Again, right. I'm kind of here for this kind of thing. I like this. It's that's best of the. the oh. Did you get to choose your thieves? Yes. I'm the victim here. He's the a-hole. Why am I being judged? Because I want justice. Five years in
2: prison or deportation. You get to choose. You're the victim. And Give she, me five years in jail she for She told him, them,
0: okay, really? Because I don't trust their yeah. border security to keep him out. <laughs> so I want five years in the joint. Oh, I'm sure their border is much more secure than ours. <laughs> Come on. Are you kidding me?
2: And she did tell them, she wound up telling them, this Argentina reporter, uh, Argentina reporter that she said, quote, I just want my wallet back. I won't be Making the decision for the justice system. Well,
0: Well, that's how they do things over there. can there be like a contest of somebody who will make the decision? <laughs> Can, like, the station that she works yeah. at say, caller number nine, you get to make the decision on what happens? Are you going to deport this person or are you going to lock them up in a Qatar jail sale for five years? I'm kind of here for that. I love that line of thinking. This is the kind of stuff that we'll need once I finally have my death channel, <laughs> my execution and funeral channel. Every once in a while, we'll have like a judge come on, like a judge show. Because like it's Judge Judy. Are these separate channels? or are they the same channel. They're morphing just... into the same channel. Okay.
2: <laughs> I guess I knew you had one channel for funerals and one channel for executions but you keep calling it the execution
0: and funerals. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all in the branding. I feel like I could sell so more stupid. subscriptions if there's going to be executions <laughs> involved. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.
4: You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show on 93 WIBC.
2: All right. Thanksgiving creeping up on us. The best time to hit the roads for Thanksgiving, according to Triple A Hammer. To cut down on the times you'll be stuck in traffic, they recommend leaving tomorrow morning early. If you don't have Wednesday off, hit the road before 11 a.m on Thanksgiving Day is the second best.
0: Okay, so we work tomorrow, so obviously that's out of the equation. So, so what was the time after the, Wednesday morning? So you
2: would have avoided tra- 11 a.m., before 11 a.m., if you want to avoid all the hassle. I will say, the best time to fly during Thanksgiving is on Thanksgiving Day. It's awesome. I uh, lived in Texas for a couple of years, so I'd go back and forth for holidays and stuff, and the cheaper flights were actually on, like, the day before Thanksgiving. Are you kidding me? have you ever seen planes trains and automobiles right it's awful traveling uh, on the days leading up to thanksgiving but you travel thanksgiving day you got that airport to yourself you got the pl- <laughs> you got the plane to yourself you got the flight attendants giving you free drinks on said airplane just because you know they probably want to get home as much as you do right i think that's the best time to travel if you're flying somewhere on that holiday same for christmas day i've flown in christmas day before but um, I, 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 what again? What does AAA? Because this is like supposed to be the third busiest travel day on record for Thanksgiving. But what do they consider travel? Like you just
0: you're going to your family's house down the street, aren't you? Right. I'm going in the neighborhood. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is it above 30 minutes? Is it 45 minutes? Is there an over under at 42 and a half minutes? Is that like a Vegas line? <laughs> What's considered travel for the holidays? That's an interesting question. And in regards to the airports being open, the only, and let me stress this, the only thing that was somewhat redeeming about the whole pandemic was if you weren't afraid to fly and travel, Dude, you could go to the airport, you could get cheap flights, oh, there was dude. nobody there. My wife and myself, we were like, have masks, we'll travel. We'll go to Florida, we'll go to Vegas, we'll do all the things. Yeah, we went, uh,
2: that's such a good point, uh, June or July of 2020 to Florida, down to the Don, that big pink hotel at Cesar. and we flew, again, flew on the 4th of July, so flying on a holiday there's nobody ever in the airport on top of you know covid there was nobody in It, it was like we had that southwest flight to ourselves I mean, a private giant flight down to florida and the resort was pretty much emptied out they weren't letting people come in off the beach like they usually do to order drinks at the bar at the pool and yeah that was that was great
0: yeah, I missed the cheap airfare days. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't last long, did it? No, no, it's They've, quite the opposite they, right they, now. They, as a matter they, of fact, they
2: finally they finally got wise to the fact of what was going on. That did not last long at all.
0: Um, let me ask you a question in regards to Thanksgiving etiquette. Let's say that you plan to do a little bit of drinking. On Thanksgiving, you get around your family, you know, maybe you want to have some beers and watch the football games. Maybe you want
2: to take the edge off.
0: Take the edge off (laughs) a little bit. I got a crowded
2: one I'm going to Thursday, so yeah. Okay, great. So
0: you would be the person that could answer this. Are you expected to bring your own booze or whoever's hosting Thanksgiving, is it their job to have the booze available? Man, my
2: dad's got plenty. I don't think I'm bringing my own. He's got a, yeah, he's got a pretty significant, uh... Stash.
0: Okay, well, so, you're a free so, voter. Maybe you're the <laughs> poor person to ask if, this. If I was
2: go- maybe like a friend, a friend's giving, if you're going to a friend's giving, yes, you probably bring your own alcohol. If you're going to a family, it's usually, I would assume. Now, now, I take that back. Actually, we go to Lindsay's family sometimes down south in Jennings County and uh, around Columbus, and we'd bring, there'd be beverages available, but all different segments of the family would bring coolers.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's so, good then. So you should bring your own booze. Maybe, yeah. Because what if you're the only person that shows up with the booze, then you're the family alcoholic.
2: <laughs> well, like, my dad, see, he, they hardly ever drink anyway. So he's got all this stuff and he just hardly ever touches it. So I'm doing him a favor.
0: Kylan, let me go over to you. <laughs> now, let's say you are going to go over to somebody's house for Thanksgiving. Kylan's our producer filling in today. And you plan to, you know, suck a few back do you bring your own booze or do you expect it to be provided?
7: I'll be going to Friendsgiving after this. I'm bringing my own to that tonight. That's Friendsgiving. That's totally different. if I'm going to my parents' house for Thanksgiving, my mom will be providing. So, I'm definitely taking hers and using her as a budget saver.
0: Okay.
2: So, so here's our newest tribute because we were talking about this somebody you know when you go to someone else's house for thanksgiving do you bring your own as a byob or do you drink theirs and sometimes either way it's for very good reason that you do have alcohol and here's our newest (laughs) tribute from hammer and nigel records we were sort of in a we were in an elton john mood when we wrote this tribute
6: And
4: I guess that's why I brought so much booze <laughs> Thanksgiving Day Cause I tasted your food Undercooked turkey Come on! Overcooked stuffing Nobody knows what you put in the oven Big and I guess that's why I brought so much booze. turkey, <laughs> over stuffing, and I guess that's why I brought so March much booze.
0: Shout out to our background singers on that, because that really <laughs> made the uh, song.
2: Hey, Mike, a question on the YouTube chat. Somebody says, it looks like I have a sunburn. Do I look like I have a sunburn on the YouTube
0: I don't think you do, but you always kind of have that red, drunk Boris Yeltsin look to me, so... (laughs) It's called rosacea, sure.
2: <laughs> Alcoholics are prone to rosacea. All right. Thank you, M- Matt Vermillion, for pointing out the flaws in my skin. Also, sometimes aware of like the CPAP mask machine thing. It just destroys my skin. I haven't been to the dermatologist forever. And when I did go, she kind of looked at me like I was a freak. Said,
0: <laughs> it's you okay. Bad, you
2: got some bad skin, dude.
0: You don't have to apologize. A lot of sober people get compared to Boris Yeltsin. <laughs> it's okay. Dateline Florida. Uh. Florida police ended up shooting a suspect in the crotch who they said was armed with multiple guns and a Molotov cocktail. My goodness. Here is one of our favorites, Sheriff Grady Judd, getting very specific at the press conference about what happened.
8: Look what he had in his hand, an AR-15. In addition to that, he had a handgun. Three of our deputies began to shoot. We hit Luke three times, twice in the right leg, once in the left leg, and once in the groin. And we've changed the looks of his groin forever. Oh, if you know what I mean.
2: Wow, there's that. I love, Polk County Sheriff, <laughs> Grady Judd. Like it's something out of Smokey and the Bandit.
0: <laughs> Grady Judd looks like the. Uh... He, he's a good guy, but he comes off like the bad sheriff in Porky's, doesn't he? Oh, yeah,
2: or Porky's. You no. got a tail
0: light out, don't you? <laughs> no, bashes <Bam>! it out.
2: <laughs> now you do. I mean, we've played some great clips from him, right? This I, is not think, the
0: first... I think what you're saying is, do we have great moments in Grady Judd history? Oh, please, please, please. We have great moments in Grady Judd history. Here he is on Potential School Shooters. Let me give it to you in Polk yeah. County vernacular.
8: This is the last thing you'll see before we put a bullet through your head (laughs) if you're trying to hurt our children. We're going to shoot you graveyard dead if you come onto a campus with a gun threatening our children or shooting at us.
0: Great moments in Sheriff (laughs) Grady Judd history. Graveyard dead. On the subject of school shooters when the Parkland shooter, Nicholas Cruz, did not get the death penalty. Let's hear from the sheriff.
8: Nothing that comes out of Broward County surprises me. (laughs) If there's ever been anyone on the face of the earth that deserved the death penalty, it was that evil, violent, murdering piece of trash that massacred those children.
2: Yeah, I'd never heard that one before. That one's powerful. We got time for one more? Yeah. Pl- oh, please. I could listen to Grady Judd clips all day.
0: Great moments in Sheriff Grady Judd history. This is his response when the summer of love was taking place on rioters and looters.
8: But we have received information in social media that some of the criminals were going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't <laughs> do that in Polk County. Because the people of Polk County like guns. They have guns. I encourage them to own guns. And they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns.
0: (laughs) Great moments in Sheriff Grady Judd history. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show okay joe biden um
2: coming up after four o'clock he <laughs> somehow uh his way into possibly opec and the saudis uh, you know squeezing some more oil out of them after originally saying uh, no to the united states we'll uh, hit on that plus the very latest on the uh the news out of delphi or i guess the non-news we didn't get that sealed affidavit that we thought we were getting uh, unsealed today so Plenty uh, more to come after four o'clock. A poll of 2,000 Americans, Hammer, found people who enjoy spicy food are more likely to think they're hot. Okay. 62% of spicy food lovers find themselves attractive. (laughs) And that makes sense because
0: I enjoy spicy food and hot damn am I sexy.
2: I love a good, I I really need to bring a, a, a bottle of sriracha here to work with me. I right? put that stuff on my Cheerios.
0: Take it out of your like sleeve, like Buddy the Elf Dust <laughs> Syrup, <laughs> and just have the hot sauce with you all the time. I could get down with that. I could totally do that. And this makes sense, because when the Chicken Sandwich Wars were taking place, remember that summer? Chicken Sandwich Wars. Oh, Papa, or, uh, Popeye's against Popeyes. Chick-fil-A, yeah. and then later KFC comes in the mix. Mm. I always wanted the spicy chicken sandwich. I don't want the regular chicken sandwich. Bring me the heat. I want it hot. Yeah. Yeah, in this
2: study, mild people or people that only like mild types of foods or spices are more likely to describe themselves as empathetic and shy. Okay. Medium people, calm, curious, and like cats and dogs equally. Okay. Uh, that's definitely not me. Uh, now, the hot fans, people that like hot and spicy foods, hot, and spicy sauces, are more likely to describe themselves as creative, confident, and adventurous.
0: And you forgot sexy because that's me. Yeah. Like, yeah. really, like, if I were to have really short shorts on, you would be amazed at how tan and athletic my thighs are. You would be shell shocked at how, like, firm and athletic I've become it, over this year. I, I would probably puke if I saw those. <laughs> those
2: my, my dad calls them white tornadoes. <laughs> you, you know, he's skinny chicken legs. I got, there's a couple of white tornadoes walking down the road
0: there. <laughs> um, speaking Speaking of food, a hot dog vendor was stabbed in a, quote, San Diego turf war with another hot dog (laughs) vendor on Saturday night. 21-year-old was the victim. He was hospitalized with non-life-threatening injuries. So let me ask you this, Nige. How bad do things have to be in your life if you're getting involved in a knife fight over hot dogs?
2: Well, I know it'd definitely be worth it down here on Monument Circle, because the hot dog vendor down here, I've, I've partaken many times, and he's very good. And it's, I haven't seen him in a while. I don't know if he stops when he gets cold, but it might be worth a little... A uh, uh, Hand to hand comment to, to uh, cover your turf there because that guy got a lot of business.
0: I saw him the other day. He was over by the uh, Starbucks. Okay, he's
2: across the street now. Yeah. I mean, he used to be right outside the studios down here. I think he the
0: homeless from- guys fondling themselves may have <laughs> affected his business. And he moved a couple, you know, blocks over, but he's still doing business downtown, man. And you're right, I've had one of those dogs. They're pretty good.
2: Um, can I talk about this law enforcement shooting? Um, on another officer, two officers involved in shooting each other. This wasn't in uh, Polk
0: County with Sheriff no. Brady
2: Judd, was it? An off-duty Vermont sheriff deputy is recovering as he was shot multiple times by police in upstate New York. This is about 3 a.m. Police responded to a report of a gunfight involving one suspect and a group of three men. When the suspect refused to drop his weapon, uh, weapon the arriving officers opened fire. Uh, they all ignored commands to drop their weapons. A total of 11 shots were fired at this man who turned out to be an off-duty sheriff uh, from Vermont. Oh. 10 of the shots, 10 of the 11 shots connected with this officer. He's still alive and he's recovering.
0: So we had a good old-fashioned New York versus Vermont authority shootout. I I
2: guess, man. The details are kind of confusing, but the deputy said that the gunfight, started after he was assaulted by these three other dudes, but um, he's okay. How how tough, how much of a badass do you have to be, Dirty Harry, to take (laughs) 10 bullets and then survive? And then the other cop I mean, he hit him 10 times. I understand that, but how bad of a shot do you have to be not to hit a major organ?
0: Is he a stormtrooper? Like, is that what he was doing in the offseason? I wonder if this started because they were yelling at who has worse politicians. Bernie Sanders sucks! Oh, yeah? <laughs> Eric Adams sucks! Like, I could see that. I mean, then maybe, just maybe, there is some grounds for some gunfire. I don't oh, know. Uh, coming up, we'll update you on an interesting day in the courtroom in Delphi. We didn't get the information we wanted, but there's a lot of stories in play now. We'll talk about that next.
6: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
4: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1 800 411 9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime.
1: Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's
2: rock Hello. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer's right over there. Was a. Uh, I. Man, it didn't shock me, actually, that the affidavit in the Delphi case was not released. It was not unsealed. Like they said, it could be today. The judge decided to keep it sealed for, and now this is not something that's permanent, No, but we don't have any more details about what happened with the Delphi arrest of Richard Allen. He's charged with the murders. We don't have much to go on here. And I, I, quite frankly, the way things have been going in this case, I'm not shocked by this from... Uh, from Richard Allen being arrested and not having an attorney for a couple of days, then the the local judge in Carroll County recusing himself to this, to Richard Allen moving to some uh, reports that I think Wish TV uh, uncovered some, with some various sources leaking information to the media and things like that. A lot of things have been going on with
0: this. So basically what happened today was the prosecution provided the judge a completely redacted version of the affidavit and said if you want to look at this you know we've taken out a lot of information but if you want to look at this and release it be my guest so this specially appointed judge as you mentioned is now going to take some time to review and see if everything is okay if they can release this affidavit and it doesn't hamper the investigation which tv reporter richard essex he's their investigative guy he was up in the courtroom today The Carroll County prosecutor argued to keep the probable cause sealed. And he said mainly because Allen did not act alone. He said inside of that probable cause are names of other people. There are names of witnesses. There is the investigative information that is critical to the ongoing investigative procedure in this case. But he did offer a redacted version of the probable cause to the judge for her review. Now, Allen's lawyers, they are arguing that the probable cause should be fully released. It's time for the taxpayers to see how their tax dollars have been spent over the past five years and nine months. And he says the lack of information that has driven this case is one of the other reasons that it should be let out. Let people read to see what this investigation has been doing.
2: I mean, that's where I'm at on that. But the victim's families don't want that, right? The, right. The grandparents of one of the victims said Libby no, German's we, family, we don't want these details out there yet.
0: They've been really outspoken about keeping this thing sealed up because they don't want any sort of hurtful information to get out to the media, to the public, involving their family. That could jeopardize the case as well. However, again, there's a lot of layers to what's going on today. Even though we didn't get the information that we wanted, there's a lot of dominoes in play here. The defense attorneys for Richard Allen, the lead attorney named Andrew Baldwin, he wants full transparency because he feels like his client, with his $2 million bail, is being held unfairly. Now
3: we're asking the public for help. You're going to read that uh, probable cause affidavit online or wherever they get it. And uh, hopefully that's going to ring a bell for somebody to help us out because he is innocent. He has told us that uh, very emotionally. He has thanked us for our help. Uh, and we are anxious uh, for the public to read this. We're anxious for this thing to get going. And um, you know, we'll see. And when you guys read the PCA, presuming that the judge grants our motion, you know, you will have to question, is this what happens after five years of an investigation? Is this what it is? We don't have any other evidence. We don't have any discovery. That's all we have. And we are not impressed.
2: Yeah, this, this defense lawyer is doing his job going about for his client. Um everybody's entitled to a lawyer and that I and I understand that. But that being said, I understand he's doing his job trying to make it look like this case is pretty weak. I hope it's not. I hope that's not reality though. I hope this thing is rock solid. I hope this thing is airtight.
0: I want justice. Uh, yeah, exactly. If it is Richard Allen, sure. then convict him. But if it's not then let's be fair about this. And I've spoke to a couple friends of mine who are attorneys, and they say they've got some questions about the way he's being held right now. And coming up a little bit after five o'clock, we'll continue this conversation. We've got the folks from the Murder Sheet podcast coming on. They have been covering this thing better than anybody since the story broke about five years ago, often scooping national news networks, local news networks with their work. So we'll speak to them about what they think is happening coming up a little bit after five. And they were in
2: the courtroom as well today.
0: Correct. In the meantime, let's shift gears and let's check in. With wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing, Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Take a test where you're taking cocaine. Come on, man, you ain't black. This may come as a complete shock to you, Nigel. I want to make sure you're sitting down. Okay. All right. So the Saudis are going to boost oil production after Joe Biden allegedly granted immunity from lawsuits and the death of journalist Jamal Khashoggi.
2: What were we just talking about the other day about that story about the immunity for, uh, the, the Saudi Prince who is now technically the, I believe the, you know, the, one of the main guys, the prime minister or whatever of uh, Saudi Arabia. And, um, and, it was going to be like, you grease me, I'll grease you here. You know, I, look, this Khashoggi thing looks pretty bad. Uh, people want to sue me. Uh, people want uh, justice, and uh, you can't have, you know. So, what we'll do is uh, we'll cut off, uh, we'll consider p- pumping out some more oil for you guys. What did I, what I said this exact same thing a couple days ago, and that's kind of what they're talking about in this Wall Street Journal
0: article this is all coming from they've got biden totally by the short hairs here yeah the saudis are acting in the position of power they've got the power because they've got the oil joe biden allowed the saudis to be in the position of power in this relationship and that's on him Because instead of saying, listen, if you don't want to play ball, we're going to pump our own oil over here. We're going to drill, baby, drill, and you can suck it. But he's not doing that. He's kissing the ring. He's bowing down. He's doing all the things. He's fist bumping the crown prince. Because of the green new agenda that they've got, they can't possibly do anything here. And he knows that their climate overlords will stop funding Joe Biden if he even wavers just a little bit. So he's got to bow down and take a knee in front of the Saudis. Um,
2: the other the other aspect of it is, I was reading this this story, and there's some other things out there, is that they the United States doesn't want to open themselves up to lawsuits. So in other words, like, uh, people in Afghanistan can't sue Joe Biden for the debacle of the exit of troops. Yeah, so, you know. So if you allow people to, to go after the crown prince, uh, MBS, or, or sue foreign heads of state, then they open themselves up to lawsuits. So now Joe Biden's their concerned their yeah. about law
0: and order with Saudi Arabia. <laughs> All of a sudden, law and order and the word Saudi Arabia have to come together. Okay fine uh we're checking in with joe biden here we talked about this earlier in the week thanksgiving dinner prices are going to be up 20 percent this year gas is going to be up 30 percent year over year and joe biden he's blaming it all every bit of it on vladimir putin oh boy you know
2: what that's why they love this war in ukraine that's why joe biden loves to give them checks Blank checks. Here you go. That way I can still blame everything on Russia and I can get reelected.
0: According to a memo released by the USDA, the Biden ran USDA, a number of challenges faced by American poultry producers and the Russia war on Ukraine have brought problems to the United States. So, again, for those of you scoring at home, the USDA did not really offer an explanation of how a war in Europe is more expensive for Americans to get American-raised turkeys for an American holiday, but it's Putin's fault. Okay, (laughs) fine. Uh, Lastly here, Nigel, speaking of Thanksgiving, (laughs) we've reached that uh, annual tradition of woke media members, woke newspaper writers bashing the holiday. Oh, wonderful. Let's turn our attention to the Good Time Party Boys over at MSNBC.
9: Thanksgiving has evolved in America, just like Christmas, right? At one point, Christmas was a time where rich people opened up their houses for people to come in and get stuff. Thanksgiving has changed over time as well. I know in my family, I know several people who call it colonizer Christmas uh, because they don't really like the idea of what Thanksgiving
0: represents. He knows several people (laughs) that call it colonizer Christmas. Several.
2: Well, that is worthy of a giant news broadcast on MSNBC, a national cable outlet.
0: He does not know several people that call it colonizer Christmas.
6: Sit down. Shut up. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
4: Hammer and Nigel presents is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is Is, is this
0: anything? A hey, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run a couple different stories by you You are going to be the one that breaks down all the information And give us a verdict on whether or not that story is anything or not Okay Is this anything? Woody Harrelson, pride of Hanover. Woody Harrelson (laughs) presented Michael J. Fox with an honorary Oscar at the annual Governor's Award this past weekend. In his speech, Woody talked about the time he visited Michael in Thailand on the set of a 1989 movie, Casualties of War. Oh, yeah. Vietnam Vietnam movie. They went through a jungle in ended up at a cobra and mongoose fight and the mongoose won here's woody with the rest of the story they took the snake
4: tied it by its tail wrung the blood out half filled four glasses with cobra blood and half with thai whiskey drinking the cobra blood is
3: called becoming brother to the snake mike and i drank lots of things together
4: uh, and he can hold his own, but Mike promptly vomited his snake cocktail. <laughs> Never could hold his cobra blood. Uh, I said, I thought one of the funniest jokes I ever said. I said, hey, Mikey, he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, they didn't get it laughed then, but it's it's gratifying. Now, anyway... Yeah,
2: that's something. That's the best beer drinking story ever. <laughs> I guess it wasn't beer. I mean, you they're on they're in Thailand and Michael J. Fox is doing shots of snake's blood mixed with Thai whiskey. Yes. And then he puked all over the place. <laughs> best story.
0: I'd be telling that at every dinner party. And like just doing that with your buddy would be amazing, but doing it with Woody Harrelson I know. too. Like that just adds yeah. such a cool factor to it. <laughs>
2: It's interesting how they do things there in Thailand. When a, a mongoose and a and a cobra got into a fight, and they and they squeezed the blood out of the snake, and then they sh- shot it in a whiskey glass.
0: Would you rather watch a yeah. mongoose and a snake fight? Or Macian Mac football on a Tuesday <laughs> night, like Ball State against Akron. Which one are you wanting to watch, Nige? Dude, I'm watching that mongoose fight. Man. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you another question, Woody Harrelson related. We're both fans of the old TV show Cheers. Who did you like better, Coach or Woody? Because Coach was in the early seasons. Oh, and then he and, died, and then and then Woody came in.
2: Uh, Woody. And Coach was funny. Ernie
0: Pantuzo,
2: the coach. I would not have come up with this character's name. And I watch. I like Cheers. I, I kind of keep that on in the background sometimes when I'm doing crap around the house. Just have hit play uh, on Netflix. But I, yeah, Cheers is a good show. But the coach didn't have as many good one-liners as, as Woody right. or his kind of doofish charm.
0: You could do shows around Woody and like yeah. his dumb stuff. You couldn't do shows around Coach. Last one before we move on. Shelly Long or Kirstie Alley?
2: oh man
0: it was diane or rebecca yeah, right?
2: yeah I, I like kirstie alley better i think i like those later years I, I, yeah I, i'd go with her i don't have a solid reason as to why i, I thought uh shelly long was just kind of more annoying <laughs> <laughs> and uh the other lady um you what's her name shelly long shelly long wh- 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 who took over for her
0: uh, Kirstie Alley, Kirstie
2: Alley, Kirstie Alley. She was more of, a, she was more uh, witty, more of, um, kind of a B, actually. Right. Yeah, and I like that. You know. Okay. All right. She didn't take any crap.
0: You can hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want to do. We're talking cheers here this afternoon, Coach or Woody or Shelly Long or Kirstie Alley. Let us know, Diane or Rebecca. Yeah is this anything a man searching for treasure with a metal detector on a beach in florida found a ring worth 40 grand and was able to return it to the owner here's the exact moment that joseph cook found the ring on the beach no way whoa look at that bad boy holy crap Yo, that's real. Yo, I swear to God, that's Yo. the biggest diamond
2: I've ever found on the beach. 40 grand? Is that what he said? Yeah, that's something. He returned it to the owner. And it says here he didn't. Um, I'm looking at the story now. He didn't. They didn't give him. He accepted no reward money. I don't know that he was offered reward money. Somebody finds your $40,000 ring lost on the beach. You give him some money for it. Right. I was in. Uh, uh, Anna Marie Island recently, and they have those guys there. There's professionals that go out and do that for a living. You can hire if you lose a piece of jewelry, and you kind of know in the like the whereabouts of where you think you may have lost it. You can hire guys to go look for it. They have snorkels, they have big adver- the shirts with advertising on the back. You see them floating up and down in the ocean. So I don't know how success. I don't know what the success rate is. Right. But you could pay these guys to
0: go try and find it. Seems pretty challenging to find like a small ring if you drop but it into the water. But they got all this
2: equipment. They got all this this you know uh, metal detecting kind of equipment. You know, it looks like uh, Poindexter, Revenge of the Nerds, too. Uh, Nerds in Paradise,
0: <laughs> walking around Fort Lauderdale.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and I would assume I don't know this for sure. I would assume those guys that are get they, that, that are paid to go look for lost jewelry on the beach. If they do wind up finding the jewelry, they get a cut of how much it's worth too. I'm just speculating. I don't know. But I was find that, find that fascinating that there's actually a line of work that you can do.
0: Last one here. Is this anything? Research doctors now believe that legendary martial arts artist Bruce Lee died of drinking too much water. He died in Hong Kong back in 1973 of brain swelling. He was only 32. He was in great shape. Now they believe it was due to drinking too much water... In an interview, Bruce Lee made a famous quote about water back in the day.
3: This is what it is, okay?
1: I said, empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like
7: water. Now, you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now, water can
3: flow or it can crash. Be water,
2: my friend. Love all those Bruce Lee movies. I thought he died just because, you know, too many blows to the head. Uh, we, I mean, you did mention brain swelling. Uh, there's a condition uh, that it, there's a specific condition. There's a technical name for that. But I, I love those Bruce Lee movies back in the day. I used to watch them with my old man on the weekends. Um, and. Go watch if you want to watch a funny portrayal of him. Go watch the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. And Quentin uh, Quentin Tarantino is the director. uh They they got a pretty funny portrayal of Bruce Lee, <laughs> and his family was actually pissed off about it. Did not really? like the way they portrayed him at all in that movie. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hello, Nigel here. Jason Hammer over there. What's the uh race looking like between Warnock? And Herschel Walker, the uh, the the, re- the Senate runoff race is it close? I mean, it's it's
0: it's a tight race, right? Well, I mean, you knew it would be tight because it is a runoff. They couldn't figure this thing out during the midterm election. And, and
2: it does look bad that an incumbent couldn't get fifty percent. It looks bad on Warnock's part for sure.
0: But at the same time, you look at a state like Georgia where the governor Brian Kemp yep. beat the. You know, golden child of the Democratic Party, Stacey Abrams, beat her like a drum for the second time, became the governor. But yet a lot of people who voted for Kemp did not vote for Herschel Walker, the Republican candidate. So here we are with this runoff. And surprisingly, after his bizarre werewolf and vampire speech of the other day, Herschel Walker is now trailing in this race. Nige, Uh, a new poll again, polling. Take this for what you want shows that it's a 51 to 47 advantage for Raphael Warnock right now to okay. win re-election that's a tight that's a tight one but even though the Democrats have the Senate though this is super important because in the past let's be honest Mansion and Cinema have been able to quiet down some of the ridiculous things that the Democrats have wanted to do because the margin was so tight that if they didn't want to play ball, then the Republicans could stop some of this ridiculous crap. Well, now... It's not even going to matter what Manchin and Cinema think if Raphael Warnock wins this because they'll have a two-seat advantage. Outright majority. It'll come down to a tie. And, you know, the cackling queen, Kamala Harris, she's going to vote for whatever radical bull crap that they put in front of her.
2: You know, the other thing is for people to keep in mind and and keep an eye on this election down there is that uh, Warnock's bringing out the big guns. I'm not talking about Joe Biden. I'm talking about Obama. Obama's going down there to endorse him in December. Dave Matthews is putting on a big show for Warnock down there. Do you think Warnock could
0: name one Dave Matthews song? Hey Reverend Warnock, what's
2: your favorite <laughs> DNB song? No, not at all. Here's the thing, he hasn't been drawing big crowds at all to his rallies. It's kind of like a Biden rally. It's just non-existent. So they got to get that that big name, you know, and the one thing that that Warnock and Obama have in common uh, other than their their politics is they both love 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 that ra- uh, that radical crazy preacher Jeremiah Wright. Obama's preacher for a long time. Warnock called that uh Remember that speech that was a big deal is called the G dam America speech, GD America. Right. By he called it Christian preaching at its finest.
0: Oh, okay. So right.
2: they they have a lot in common there.
0: Now, for those who are saying, you know what, I don't believe that poll. Polls weren't really all that accurate heading into midterms. I will give you this. The same poll that shows that Warnock is leading Walker 51 to 47 also shows that hypothetically uh donald trump would beat joe biden so it's not like it's Mm. some left-leaning poll this was done by aarp it was released on tuesday of registered georgia voters of both parties they would say trump beats biden but warnock beats herschel walker in the state of georgia uh your good buddy Nigel dr fauci flip-flopping Fauci. You guys play pickleball together, don't you? You and Fauci. <laughs> you call the Fouch up on the weekends and uh, you put eight masks on. You go out in the backyard and play some pickleball. <laughs> Get the paddles out, <laughs> Um, Before you hit the road this holiday for your Thanksgiving dinners and the meetings with your family, Dr. Fauci would like to remind you that you should probably have all of your boosters, another COVID shot, mm. a flu shot, oh. 18 masks and a diaper. First of all,
3: everybody should be vaccinated and boosted with flu and with COVID, whether or not you wear a mask or another thing we shouldn't underestimate is testing. So when we're gathering at a family gathering for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or for any other holiday as we get into the winter. It makes sense that you might want to get a test that day before you come into a place in which you might be infected and spread it or other people who might be there in order to protect. So there's masking is important,
0: but you can count masking, vaccine, boosting, testing. So Nigel, let me ask you this: You're getting ready to walk into your dad's house for Thanksgiving. You open up the door. The kids are with you. Your lovely better half is with you. You take one step inside and you yell, "Has everybody here been vaccinated and have a mask?" <laughs> what
2: happens next? My dad promptly throws me out. <laughs> <laughs> would never speak to me again. No, I've never taken a test just to go to a party.
0: You're taking a I, test, I, where you're I, taking t-
2: test where you're taking cocaine. A test where you're taking cocaine. I don't think I'd go to a party that would require require me any sort of gathering that would require me to get a test no thanks uh, don't need it haven't been doing it i've only taken one or two tests since covid hit uh one and one was just so my kids could go back to school because uh because we had that remember at the beginning of the year i had that stomach virus man it was really bad but i i don't know would you go would you go somewhere that said hey look uh you know big party here lots of people are gonna be there but you need to take a covid and people do do that But you have to take a COVID test before you go.
0: No, 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 no. I would be that guy that would be uh, bellied up somewhere that's open on Thanksgiving, having some drinks, and no. I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. I will say,
2: I I will say, if you're feeling sick and you're a family member, stay home. I, I would, I would endorse that. Don't worry about taking a test. Don't worry about anything. I mean, if if you don't feel good, I don't want to be around you. If you get a fever and you're blowing your nose and you're coughing and wheezing, then maybe I don't want to be around you. That's fine. But I, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not taking a test to go to Thanksgiving Day dinner. Never have done that.
0: All right, so here's another hypothetical for you. You guys are in the car. You're driving over to uh, your relative's house for Thanksgiving. The phone rings. You answer it. Hey, Nigel, it's, uh, it's Dad. We're over here. Aunt Sheila's real sick. She's got a bad leg. She's coughing. She's wheezing. She just smells bad. Will you just put on a mask when you get here to make her feel better? How would you do then?
2: Ah, uh, I might have to capitulate. I might have to make a Aunt a Auntie feel better. She smells real bad. I'd probably wear a mask just to block the smell. And by the way, I've been to parties, several parties over the past couple of years, where it has been a more liberal crowd. And the thought of masks or testing never even came up. Indoors, I've been with with very lib folks. Uh, don't we often talk about politics. They know what to do for a living, but I was never asked to take a test. And these were hardcore. Li- now, I have heard of people doing it, right? as, as I'm sure you have.
0: Yeah. But, but Dr. Fauci, like, if this is his last press conference, because he's getting ready to retire next month. If this is his last press conference, he's going out playing the hits, right? This is like the Rolling oh, Stones yeah, that was playing, it. you know, "Start Me Up" as the final tour, and he's telling you to get the vax, get the boosters, do all the things. Masks. Clay Travis on Twitter: "Quote, I don't think I've ever hated anyone more in American politics than Dr. Fauci. <laughs> Not even a close second, honestly." <laughs> Good riddance. Uh, after Fauci's ramblings, a reporter from the Daily Caller tried to ask Dr. Fauci about what he did to investigate the origins of COVID
3: because
0: hmm. this took place in the White House press room and the White House press secretary KJP Corrine Jean-Pierre Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, he did it. Uh, she then gets all upset because people wanted answers from Dr. Fauci before he was riding off in the sunset. Next thing you know, there's chaos, and I never thought I would see it. The White House press pool teamed up yeah. against Corrine Jean-Pierre and Dr. Fauci because they thought the Daily Caller question was legitimate.
7: About this? What
6: have you Dr. Fauci, um, only, <laughs>
7: only 13% think, of- Hold on one second. We have a process here. I'm not calling out on people who yell. And you're being you're being you're being disrespectful to your colleagues, and you're being disrespectful to our guests. I will not call on you if you yell. And also, you're taking time off the clock because Dr. Fauci has to leave in a couple of minutes. I, I'm done. I'm not going, I'm not getting into a back and forth. You're taking time with you. off. Glad, Jeremy. Dr. Fauci. Um, can can ask, uh, but, but she's only sir. She's she's great question. You ask your question.
3: You
4: should allow her to
7: ask
6: her question. It's Jeremy. She's she's
4: origin of COVID nineteen. It is not it, is not, know, your so it
7: is not not your turn. It is not your turn. You, you turn can, can You
4: can't you, you can't, can't read a press briefing, you need to call Chaos. the room. <coughs> she has a valid question. She's asked about the origin of COVID I hear the question. The fact she's the
7: best person I, to I hear your question, question, but we're not doing this the way you want it.
4: What
2: does, does Dr. Fauci need KJP to step in for him? He's a big boy. He's been asked this question before. He knows the drill. He knows the answer. He's a liar about the origins of COVID-19 and what he knew, when he knew it, all those emails with the ACO Health Alliance back and forth, uh, Peter Daszak. But does, you think on some level, Fauci's looking at her and like, hey, lady, I got this. Okay that is the worst person to come to your defense.
0: And for her to do that, that tells me that that's something they told her beforehand. Hey, if anybody tries to ask him about this, you jump in and you try to tell them no. And she tried to act like Miss Billy Badass. What everybody knows, she's completely unqualified for that job. And she's horrible at that job. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Let's do a little booze news.
4: You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We
2: are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Once it hits Your lips. It's so good. I have present. Really booze news. Booze news.
4: Yeah. Time for booze news.
2: World Cup sponsor Budweiser has come up with a solution to shift that gigantic amount of Budweiser stock, all those aluminum cans uh, wound up in an uh, empty warehouse in Qatar because they're not allowed to be served anymore. They said that to Budweiser it,
0: like the very last minute before the tournament started. Yeah,
2: look, you guys aren't serving your product in here. We're a Muslim country. We obey the rules of, uh, you know, that's there's certain restrictions that Muslims have on that. Apparently, you're not allowed to be a homosexual either, but alcohol is just as bad. Didn't they you know, know they, that
0: Qatar was going to be hosting this for like years in advance? Well, yeah, I don't know
2: if it was. I think it was FIFA did the deal with InBev, which owns Budweiser, and yeah, they got a huge problem on their hands um, in terms of you know a lot of cash being exchanged. Right, here. Budweiser paid so, a lot of money to yeah. be the official beer sponsor. <laughs> and Everything was kosher until a couple of days ago, and they said uh, we're only serving Bud Zero the out the non-alcoholic version of budweiser to our fans in soccer and i just love how like a ton of people are outraged at this but they have no concept of the human rights violations that go on in that country but boy you stop serving beer at the world cup games then that's the issue
0: you know but let's just say you're somebody that's just a soccer fan you don't know much about world policy okay but the world cup is a huge deal right it's the sporting event around the world, and you're excited, you finally buy tickets, you're going to go watch your team. Let's say you live in Germany. You're going to get to (laughs) Qatar, and they're going to tell you you can't drink? What are you saying about the Germans? (laughs) They enjoy a beverage (laughs) from time to time. That's a good point. So
2: the question is, what are they going to do with all those warehouses full of Budweiser stacked to the roof Uh, because they can't serve it in the stadium? And the answer is the World Cup and FIFA have said they're going, or I'm sorry, Budweiser basically said they're giving the beer to the winner of the World Cup and to that country. So the country that wins
0: the World Cup, you get the beer. Okay. I like that. Now, what happens if Qatar wins? <laughs> Do they have a team? <laughs> I mean, it's not going to happen, right? But let's just say a country wins that has the same beliefs. Now, Budweiser's back point. at the drawing board here. Can we just call dibs? Is it like the school? You know, we called it. We get it. I'll take that. I haven't had I, some kings in a while. Budweiser kings. Haven't had that. King of the beers. That was what I first started drinking when I first started drinking beer. Like when I was probably around 17 or 18 years old. <laughs> Jeez.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, that, that late, huh? <laughs> um, one of the worst I've ever been was when I went down to IU to visit my buddies down there. Is It was like... Uh, You know, uh, sports, Kilroy Sports down there. And I, man, I drank a 12 pack of Bud Wiser before I hit the bars. You just been before you you went out. Yeah, before I went out. A 12
0: pack of Bud was your pre party.
2: Yeah. And man, I I literally, I couldn't, uh, when all was said and done, I literally couldn't physically sit in a chair. I was sliding out of the chair falling on the floor hammer. Got what it. I, I thought you meant that, that was... you know,
0: you crapped your pants or something.
2: <laughs> that may well vary. Because very it's well nickname happened. sometimes is butt wiper.
0: <laughs> What's it? butt wiper? <laughs> We've all been there. I've never heard that. You've never heard it called I've never butt heard wiper heard of before? Butt wiper. Yes. Like, let's say you have some leftover pizza, some some kings. Next thing you Mm -hmm. know, you have an appointment for one in the john. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, First time you ever drank beer. When was it?
2: Oh, my buddy, uh, Jimmy, uh, my best friend from high school, Jimmy Jimmy D, Jimmy Devlin. I went to visit him at Purdue uh, after, uh, like, when I was, like, 19 or 20, I didn't, yeah, when I was 18 No, I I didn't touch the stuff until I was Probably 20, 21 And I remember I got so hungover No, I got so sick, like we started drinking Screwdrivers after beer Oh. And I you know this this, tastes, this 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 tastes great. This this is great. This is good stuff. And he was roommates with some older dudes, like some undergrads that were like you know getting there, uh, you know in this house and I was th- I remember throwing up in the sink, but I was also moaning. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> Jimmy, I need you." Oh, dude. Oh. <laughs> and I was kind of making I was either puking or having an intimate experience, one or the other. Right. <laughs> He's like, he came down. He's like, dude, shut up. My roommates can hear you. They're wondering what the F
0: is going on. Oh, Jerry. Oh, You're a dude. Act like it yeah, for five exactly. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this has been Storytime with yep. Uncle Nigel here on The Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, coming up next, we got a loaded hour. We've got Don Fisher. we got Tony Katz and the Murder Sheet podcast folks. They'll join us next.
1: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos on 93 WIBC.
0: So
2: let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer, right over there with a pair of special guests on the DriveHubler.com
0: hotline. Anya and Kevin are from the Murder sheet podcast, and they have been doing phenomenal work, often scooping major media outlets with information in regards to the Delphi murders and the investigation. They join us now. Let's get right into this today for somebody that's just now getting off of work. Maybe they're getting in their car. What did we learn today?
7: Absolutely. And thanks for for having us on. Um, Today was a public access hearing in the case against Richard M. Allen, who, of course, is the man who stands accused of having killed Libby and Abby. He's facing two counts of homicide. And basically what today was supposed to determine was whether or not the probable cause affidavit against Allen will be released to the public. The prosecution wants to keep it sealed. And the defense is saying, let it out. Let people see what this case against our client is.
5: And I think perhaps the biggest news out of the hearing was not even directly related to that. It was the fact that at one point the prosecutor said there is reason to believe that other people could be involved Mm. in the Delphi murders.
2: Were you surprised then that they did not unseal the affidavit? Was that a shock to you?
7: Not necessarily. I think we were expecting, uh, you know, the judge to possibly take some time to sort of review both sides of the story and kind of come up with a conclusion. Um, So we weren't surprised that it wasn't immediately unsealed.
0: Was this the first time that the prosecution even brought up the concept the idea that there may be somebody else other than richard allen involved
5: they kind of hinted at it at the press conference and some of their other public comments but this is the first time they said it so bluntly and so clearly
0: And also, we heard from the defense attorneys, uh, Andrew Baldwin, who is the lead attorney for Richard Allen. They're now maintaining that the information isn't coming out, and that's a detriment to their client. They're wanting the bail reduced. Take us through what's going on there.
7: Absolutely. Uh, Yesterday, uh, Mr. Rosie and Mr. Baldwin filed a motion for bail. And basically they asked for Allen to be released on his own recognizance, which is uh, pretty extreme. And and they said pretty bluntly why in the filing, they said that they felt the case against their client is weak and that he should be allowed basically out of jail. And so um, this is pretty significant, obviously. And uh, today the, the, the discussion was not around this, although a a date was set for February 17th, where they will talk about this, but it was honestly a pretty canny media move from the two defense lawyers because they, put this out there on the eve of this big hearing and everybody's sort of talking about this and sort of wondering, are they correct? Is the case against this man weak or, that's, you know, is this, you know, talking point?
2: That's, that's what I was going to ask you guys. I know Kevin, you're a lawyer and I know you guys have to stay, you're a journalist on you. You have to stay objective here, but I, that gave me pause. When I mean, is this lawyer speak? Is are they just doing the job any lawyer would do for Richard Allen? Or as somebody that wants to see justice, For Libby and Abby, that really gave me a moment where I said, oh, no, what what do they have? More importantly, what do they not have against the suspect?
5: To be honest, it gave me a bit of pause, too. To a certain extent, it is lawyer speak, because obviously a defense attorney is not going to file a motion and say, oh, you got us. You got a strong case. They're going to do everything they can to make the case appear weak. Uh, they didn't just say the case is weak and he deserves to be considered for bail. He said that They said the case is so weak, we, there shouldn't even be bail. We should just release this person on his own recognizance. And to go that far was pretty surprising to me.
6: Now...
0: Kevin, I think I speak on behalf of everybody listening. Like Knight said, we want justice for these two young ladies, but I've spoken to a lot of friends, a couple different lawyers, and they all say, you know what, this is far from a sure thing right now. Do you kind of get that feeling too?
5: I get that feeling too, and it really gives me pause. A lot of the ways that things have been conducted in this case so far are a little bit... Uh I'll say I'll say unsettling he was uh, arrested and information about the charges was not released to the public for several days he did not have an attorney for several days he's currently being held in some uh, correctional Institute we don't know where he's being held Uh, the evidence against him is being held secret these things give me pause this is not the way things are usually done in the criminal justice system you know, the power that the state has to take away our liberty is a pretty serious power. And usually the public gets a chance to examine very closely how the state uses that power. And we're not getting that chance today.
2: What was Richard Allen's demeanor? First of all, you guys were you in the courtroom? Was the courtroom open?
7: Yes, okay. we were in the courtroom um, and we were in the front row of, of sort of the public um, that was not reserved Uh and and so, basically, we had a pretty good view of Mr. Allen. We were actually right behind him, essentially. What did you get and, the sense you know, of
2: his demeanor, his attitude, or, and, and what was going on with these proceedings?
7: Absolutely. So, he came in. Um, I think nobody really noticed him come in at first because it was a little bit quiet. But you hear sort of clinking chains. And, uh, you know, everyone sort of kind of turning around to to look at him and, and sort of a, kind of a hush and sort of whispers um, sort of went through the courtroom at that point. Um, he was pretty expressionless. I I kind of interpreted his expression as somewhat embarrassed. You know, all these eyes are on him. He's being led, uh, shackled through the courtroom, wearing a bulletproof vest. Um, I think Kevin thought he just seemed more emotionless, expressionless. Um, But he didn't really make a lot of eye contact that we saw, at least, with the crowd. Um, And then he sort of was... Basically huddled with uh, Mr. Baldwin, his attorney, who had his arm around him and was sort of going back and forth talking with him the whole time while Mr. Rosie did most of the speaking when it was time for the defense to speak.
2: Were the victims' families in attendance?
7: Yes, we saw them. They went in uh, to the courtroom, uh, to the courthouse early um, as we sort of saw them as we waited in line. Um, We didn't see exactly where they were sitting in the courtroom, so we didn't see uh, sort of their reactions to any of this. But we imagine it must have been very chilling for them Mm. to be in the same room with this person.
5: And let me just say, we might actually be hearing a lot less from the victims' families in the future because the prosecutor filed a motion basically asking for a gag order, asking that the victims' families, law enforcement personnel, uh, the parties of the case, not be allowed to speak about the case outside of court. That motion has not been granted, but it has been filed.
0: Uh, We're speaking with uh, Anya and Kevin from the Murder Sheet podcast, discussing what took place in the Delphi hearings, the courtroom earlier today. Since the last time we had a chance to speak with you two, there was a story that came out that said Kagan Klein Another name that's been involved in a roundabout way in the story, a guy that's not been charged with anything, but a guy that spoke with one of the victims the day of their disappearance. There was a story that maybe it was his tip to the authorities as to why Richard Allen was taken into custody. Maybe that's why they were searching in the Wabash River for some sort of possible murder weapon. Is that something that you guys have heard as well?
7: Um, Actually, the contrary. Um, We have heard from our sources that a tip did not necessarily um, sort of have Richard Allen become back on the radar for law enforcement. It was actually um, somebody sort of continuing to go through old tips and looking at things and checking things again um, that may have resurfaced him. And, and we found that somewhat interesting, um, because certainly, you know, in a case like this, where someone comes up after, you know, five or so years, you almost expect something like a tip to kind of directly implicate them. But what we were hearing is that it almost was a bit more of happenstance, which is kind of unusual. Um, interesting. That is to say, I mean, Kegan is back in negotiations with prosecutors in Miami County. That seems interesting to us, that that is coinciding with some of this stuff about Richard Allen coming out. So we're definitely watching Keg and Klein, but we don't think that his tip um, necessarily led us here. So
0: if somebody wants more coverage of this, where can they go? Uh, we'd love to have them listen to
5: the Murder Sheet. That's the name of the podcast, and it should be available wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Anya, Kevin, thank you so much. Thank you. And if there's any updates, by all means, let us know.
7: We definitely will, and thanks so much for having us.
2: My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is right over there with a very
0: special guest on the DriveHugler.com hotline. The longtime iconic voice of the Indiana Hoosiers is Don Fisher. And Fish, things are going pretty well for the IU Athletic program right now. You got both basketball teams ranked and the football team won a freaking Big Ten road game, my man. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about it, man. What happened up at East Lansing?
9: Well, I'll be quite honest about it. Uh, in my opinion, it was the most unexpected Hoosier comeback in maybe the history of Indiana football. They were down 24-7 at halftime. They literally had lost seven straight games leading up to this contest. And I'm sure most of the Hoosier nation had given this team up for dead because they just didn't look like they had it. They gave up three unbelievable touchdowns. I mean, big blast plays down the field in that second quarter that – They got him in the 24-7 hole, but somehow they came out in the second half. They got it going a little bit. They had a big 79-yard run for a touchdown by Sean Shivers. Uh, Michigan State comes right back and scores again to make a 17-point lead for the second time. And then on the kickoff, the ensuing kickoff after their touchdown, Jalen Lucas went crazy and went 88 yards for a touchdown on the return. And all of a sudden, there was a spark lit under this football team. You could feel it. You could feel the excitement. You could feel that these guys were in it, and they had a chance. And from that point on, they were able to get it tied in regulation and then went into the double overtime period. And this is Murphy's Law coming back to <laughs> big time. So what happens? They stop Michigan State. Michigan State misses a field goal, so they've got a chance to win it in the first overtime and we get our field goal try kick. They get they block the kick. Yeah, I was watching. So next, now you got to go to double overtime, and we get the first possession in double overtime. And the passing arm of Dexter Williams hadn't been hardly seen this day because they only threw it seven times in the game. <laughs> but but the pass that went to AJ Barner for a touchdown, they get it uh, two point conversion. You've got to go for two. They convert the two-point conversion to Barner again, and that was the history of the contest. And Indiana got the old brass platoon, and everybody was spitting at it big time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How much fun is it from a broadcasting point of view, from what you do for a living? How much fun is it calling a game like that that comes down to the very end double overtime?
9: Well, it was just exhilarating because of all the negative stuff that had taken place for the seven weeks leading up to that point and the struggles that this team has had moving the football offensively this year uh to have a comeback like a comeback like that in the second half it's extraordinary and of course as you're going along there you just still still in the back of your mind are going what can go wrong what can go wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but nevertheless it didn't in this particular case and even though uh, that field goal was blocked uh Indiana was able to prevail it was it was a stimulating game for i think everybody
0: and now you got a little bit of momentum heading into the final game of the year for Indiana but probably the biggest game on their schedule a little bucket matchup with Purdue what do we think about this game coming up on Saturday
9: well, it'll be a test. There's no question about it. This is a rivalry game. Everybody knows these two schools don't like each other very much. And there's little question that Purdue has had two really successful years. And look at the motivation they have, not just the bucket. They own the bucket right now. But if they win this ball game, they tie for a share of the Western Division title, which, you know, at the beginning of the season, some were predicting maybe they'd have a shot at it. They looked for a while like they weren't going to, but the West is just not as strong as the East. In total, I'm talking about the top echelon at this point. And Purdue's got a chance to win their first Western Division title. So they have really, really got a lot of motivation in this ball game. But Indiana does, too, because it's the, the rivalry, the bucket game itself. Uh, I think everybody's going to be excited for it. And the biggest thing I hate about this game being played after Thanksgiving, the students won't be there for Indiana. They, they're just they're gone on yeah. Thanksgiving vacation. Now, there'll be some there, but it won't be the great uh, student crowds we've had most of this year. So that's a little bit disappointing. But nevertheless, uh, you've, it is what it is. So you've got to have a lot of fans there, and hopefully they'll show up in droves on Saturday, and most of them will be wearing crimson and cream and not black and gold.
2: Don Fisher, the uh, iconic voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, football and basketball. Uh, Let me ask you a question before you get to the the basketball side of things. Uh, Like if in your profession, I'm just curious how common it is for uh, your uh, you being a broadcaster to do football and basketball games, because that seems like a heavy schedule for you right now. Is that common in your industry?
9: uh it it's prob- well it's more common than you probably would think, but a lot of schools have a guy that does football and a guy that does basketball okay. obviously purdue being one uh there are several schools in the big ten like that but there's a lot of us who also do both sports so the only the only uh, consternation for me I hate to miss any game i I just don't want to be a i want to be a part of every single game that Indiana plays in both sports, so obviously there's a time and a place for for, for those kinds of- uh, uh, those kinds of conflicts to take place. And we don't have many this year. The good news is we haven't had any in the regard to uh, uh, football and basketball being played on the same day. I actually was at Xavier in Cincinnati on Friday night and then traveled uh, five hours to East Lansing after that ball game, Uh, got in at two in the morning and finally got about four hours sleep or four and a half hours sleep and then got up and did the football game at noon on Saturday in East Lansing. So that happens now and then. And even though it's a bit of a pain for old people like me, uh, (laughs) but nevertheless, it's still fun. And obviously, I love what I do. So, hey, it's part of it.
0: Fish, you should win a Marconi for getting four hours of sleep and then having to deal with John Herrick the next morning. Like, <laughs> there needs to be some sort of award. Like, they need to put your name up in the rafters at Assembly Hall for having to deal with that. John Herrick, Bro. your uh, on-air coworker who also works with us in the WIBC <laughs> newsroom.
9: Well, John, I know I know your guys giving John a little stick here, but uh, the fact of the matter is, he does a great job. We. He's his first year with us, and he's been doing terrific. Hey, work sounds forward. good. Yeah, he does. He really does, and he's a pro, and he gets it. And uh, he hasn't been late for a plane ride right yet, so that's good.
0: Well, that's good <laughs> progress. Uh, Don Fisher with us. So again, things are looking up for the athletic program. The women are ranked sixth. The men are up to number eleven in the country. Now the schedule is going to start getting a little tougher. For the men. I know they had a good win down at Xavier. That crowd was into it. That was a fun game to watch. But unlike the last couple of years, IU has some really tough games coming up in the non-conference.
9: They do. Obviously, North Carolina is the one that everybody's looking at right now here in the month of November because they will take uh, North Carolina on the number one ranked team in the country on Wednesday, November 30th, which is a week from tomorrow. Uh, they've got two games in between now and then, Jackson State on Friday and a an, mid-afternoon ball game. Actually, we're teeing it up at 12.30 tip time in that one. It's Black Friday. I, I haven't heard of a game on Black Friday being that early, but we've got one on set on Friday. This game will be against Jackson State. and Then they've got a game tomorrow night against Arkansas Little Rock, uh, part of the Hoosier Classic, which is basically uh, an opportunity for Indiana to bring in teams they can kill. Fish, you know (laughs) (laughs) And
2: Fitch, you do you 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 know you're kicking Hammer and I off the air, right? Tomorrow for that
0: one. The, the city of Indianapolis says thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh,
9: and so does John Herrick.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Hoosiers got Carolina coming up. There's Arizona on the schedule wow. and, of course, the Big Ten. And you can yeah. catch all of those games right here on 93 WIBC. Fish, have a great call tomorrow. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you soon.
9: Guys, thanks for having me, and happy Thanksgiving to you all as well.
0: Coming up in uh, just a moment, we're going to connect with Tony Katz tuesdays with tony he had a big conversation with our former midday guy
6: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you
4: when saint jude opened in 1962 childhood cancer was considered incurable Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Tony! Hey. Pretty boy, Tony! It's Tuesday with
7: Tony Katz on The Hammer and Nigel Show.
9: Uh, don't want to keep Tony waiting.
2: My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. And uh, hooking up live in studio, Tuesdays with Tony Katz. TK, I've not had a chance to listen to your interview with uh, VP the Mike Pence. I'm you? sorry, I have kids and, you know... Bus stops and, uh, you know, helping the wife out in the morning. That's fancy talk for
0: drinking. (laughs) Thank you. I I, I
2: went back to bed uh, this morning after the kids got on the bus. That's After all
1: this time, all of a sudden, Ward Cleaver (laughs) over here. (laughs) (laughs) He's got work to do.
2: So Vice President Pence got this new book out. Um, Let me ask you this first of all. During your conversation with Mike Pence, did you get the sense that he is running for president in 2024. I didn't need the conversation to get the sense
1: that he's running for president. He's running for president. That's going to happen. uh, Because why wouldn't you? If you're not in it, you can't win it. There's, There's no harm in doing it. Moving a message out there, getting your story out there. And it's an audition for the top tier candidates to say, you know what? That's my secretary of state which is exactly where Mike Pence should be. Uh, DeSantis would be very well served by having uh, Mike Pence as his secretary of of state. I'm not anti-Pence. I want to be clear about that. But as I told him, and you can listen to the interview, we'll have the podcast up and
0: everything else, I don't see his path. I just don't see it. I'm with you 100% on that. And a lot of these candidates – They're lobbying for other gigs when they run uh, for the highest office in the land. But is there anybody that's willing to pick him up because even though he's kind of bashing Donald Trump right now, the stigma is still there that you were with Donald Trump during this whole time?
1: Hold on a second. If if you listen to the interview, he's very clear about how much he— Liked Donald Trump, how how much he appreciates uh, Trump, the work that was done, the policies that got through, and he admits it ended very very badly. And and uh, they uh, have not, you know, five days afterwards they got together and they have not
0: really spoken. Uh, since so it was he, a different tone than a CNN town hall because the CNN town hall he did he made it sound like that he's not really in much communication or nor cares to be with Donald Trump.
1: He he didn't signify to me that he's worried about whether he hears from Trump again, but he was not working to distance himself from the policies. He referred repeatedly to the Trump Pence administration, repeatedly. To it, and I and I would say he might be the only person in America who refers to it as the Trump Pence administration. <laughs> but he 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 would if if that was a guy shying away from it, he didn't show it in an hour on WIBC.
2: Did you get the sense? Did you ask him if MAGA is the way to go moving yes, forward I did. for the Republicans? I
1: absolu- absolutely absolutely use the terminology tough, yeah. on on that one. I advise I will advise people to listen to the podcast uh, to hear his his response there again it's not that he was engaged in a large amount of pushback on on some of these things he is pence is an unbelievably measured guy we've all seen it we all experienced it right and people take a look at that and it comes across as as fake I think for for some people, I think that he is just incredibly controlled in his message and disciplined in a way that very, very few people are. One of the people who is close to that level of discipline, or really, I should say, at that level of discipline is actually Ron DeSantis, which is what people do like about him because he's disciplined on message, but it comes across with a little more... um, Putzpa? No, pa, not I power. Could you, first of all, never <laughs> use the Yiddish putzpa? <laughs> I Nigel's trying to it. out-Jewish uh, Tony. Uh, <laughs> Volt
0: right there. Shalom? No, it's, it, uh, it, it, it comes—it
1: okay. comes across as a little more down to earth. Uh, it does, which is uh. weird because nothing says more is more homespun than than Mike Pence. But uh, Ron DeSantis is more barstool, and that. That, not as barstool as you are, Nigel, but that—that is—that is something that matters and connects in—in—in—in in, in a, in a, in a great way. DeSantis has that level of commitment. To the message, staying on the message, not being moved from the message. Uh, Pence has as well, but I think DeSantis is much more uh, connected to where people are.
2: How do you say it? shut spa. That's the that's
1: exactly not sh- it. Shitspa?
2: You might that, have to that put... beep that out. That is that
1: is one hundred percent not the way you say. It. My rabbi is 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 disgust. My rabbi My actually b- just became Catholic. After hearing <laughs> that. That's My a apologies. true story.
0: Uh, one more thing on the Pence <laughs> conversation, then we'll move on to some other uh. stuff. During your hour, were there ever moments where you were listening to his answers where you thought, oh, you're so full of crap, or I did not expect that? Uh, There are answers that he
1: gives. And remember, he's selling uh, the book. It's called So Help Me God. And, and, and of course, that's part of the, the conversation. And he brought it back to the book repeatedly because he knows what he's doing there. The radio training was well played there. It's not his first rodeo. Not so much. He was selling the book. I would have liked a little bit less of that from him. I didn't think that was needed or, or, or necessary. You're talking to WIBC. You're talking to the hometown crowd of hometown crowds. Talk to them. And I would advise him to do that. And I, I think he would look at me and be like, I'm tickled that you think that that's good advice. And then, <laughs> and then continue to do, it, to do his thing. Uh, all, all in all, I, I, do I think I, he presented himself well? Yes. Do I think that he wasn't afraid to move away from the January 6th conversations? No, he didn't try and uh, steer me away from that at all, he he may have been a little bit uh uh locate, lo, it would be loquacious in his answer. Uh, I believe that might be the right uh, term. Uh, he he, you know, he likes to talk, but he did answer.
0: Tuesdays with Tony. Tony Katz with us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. So before you hit your big family Thanksgiving, Tony, the good Dr. Fauci would like to remind you that you should probably have all of your 95 boosters. You should probably all be tested for COVID and you should all have your <laughs> flu shots and your vaccine shots.
1: First of all, it's loquacious, not
2: loquacious. <laughs> Thank you it's loquacious. Me. But it uh, still
1: sh- shoots pa? <laughs> please. <laughs> Please could you There's only room in Indiana for one Jew on radio. This
0: conversation has never sounded more white and in Indiana than it does right now. Oh, good lord. So no, um,
2: no testing? Are you going to be be testing the relatives as they no, come in the door? No, uh, my god. Did they actually today? say
1: did they actually say that we should think about bringing back mask mandates to help people not get long covid, which means keep people in masks forever? Yeah. This is this is ugly and evil. These are despicable horrible people. And if you're a medical professional who agrees with them, you should lose your license. You shouldn't be allowed to see patients. I'm not even so sure you should be allowed to operate heavy machinery.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no forklifts for you. No toasters <laughs> for you. What are you talking about? Yes or no. You have
1: turkey on Thanksgiving? Uh, turkey breast, so uh, yes and no, but not a full turkey. We do a brisket. I have a 16.94-pound brisket nice. that will yeah. be uh, seasoned uh, tonight um, with with uh, the Cat's Simple Rub. It's uh, equal parts kosher salt and black pepper, a uh, three-quarter cup each because of the size of this thing. It will sit in that in the dry rub for 24 hours. It will go on at 9 p.m.
0: Uh, tomorrow night. Is there a live stream? Like, is if I go to the That's eat, drink, idea. smoke website, is there a live stream of what we can eat? We have we have discussed doing this
1: <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> we have discussed a live stream of when we when we're smoking things. We've discussed doing a live
0: stream of my refrigerator, so you J- can always know what it hands. is I'm eating. Ball State Jason Hammer says it's never a good idea to live stream yourself smoking stuff. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Nothing good comes from that. Uh, we have a very different view of smoking. What do you have, a Trigger?
1: I do. I I have the Traeger uh, 650, the, the the Ironwood, and and it is just I mean it's cheating to an extent in terms of a level of keeping temperature and and ease, but it has been an absolute fantastic smoker. Just love it. it, it as a grill, I need a I need a grill still, and that's the next purchase.
0: If you have to have just only one side, just one side item for thanksgiving what's the number one answer on tony Cat's board what's my side piece yes for for thanksgiving right oh uh, that that is stuffing
2: the, the correct
1: answer oh. is stuffing. oh you
0: just made nigel throw Come up on. again Ugh. which is a common thing Whoa. around it's these like parts like a
2: spoonful of boogers that's what it looks like to me that's what stuffing looks like to me
0: yeah he's an anti-stuff <laughs> i, sw- I sw- I swear to God,
1: I I would rather Nigel that you kept trying to say chutzpah. I would I would rather that than hear the nonsense, fakota, crazy of
0: being an anti-stuffite. Oh, I don't know what man. some of these words are, but I yeah. feel like we've gotten away with some things we're not allowed to say here. I don't know what they are. Oh, it's beautiful. But they just it sound
1: dirty. It's it's beautiful. It's 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 how my people get around the rules. Are you
2: working tomorrow, or are you off for the rest of the? I, I
1: I work. Uh, I I will be on on the morning show. Okay. Uh, and then I've already had plans uh, for for the midday, and then I will spend two glorious days being fat and completely unresponsive. Yeah. That's what I want to hear. I'll be I'll be pulling what they call a hammer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like
1: it. Happy Thanksgiving yeah, happy to you Thanksgiving, and your family, Tony. Tony, and to you and to yours, and to your people and who they know.
0: It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
2: Okay, an entire hour of the Henry and Nigel show coming up after six o'clock. More details on what we did and did not learn in the Delphi affidavit. Uh, it's, it's still, I mean, it's still sealed, right? Right. I mean, uh, the uh, excuse the judge gave, we'll get into all that and what we can expect uh, in terms of bail. Uh, Richard Allen's attorney, who has been charged with the murders, uh, is wanting
0: to get out on no-cash bail. Even though we didn't find out anything in regard to the affidavit, uh, we did get some pretty big headlines coming yeah. out of this court appearance earlier today. So we'll break all of that down for you coming up a little bit after 6. Are, are
2: you frustrated, though, that, that we didn't get more? A little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so talk, conflicted, we though. We because, talked about this yesterday. I said, "Oh, yeah." I mean, one of the things we're going to be talking about on Tuesday. when We were talking yesterday was again, you know, the, the unsealing of the affidavit. I go, "Well, if they unseal it,
0: and they didn't, they did not." But the judge kind of kicks it down the road, like judges often do. She hasn't ruled it out. There's a chance that they may open it up, but now we've got other questions. What's going on with the bail with this uh, guy that's been charged with these murders, and is he the only one? It worries me that
2: his lawyers are looking at this avidavit and are like uh, yeah, you. This there's not enough to charge him here, at least to hold him without bail. There's there's not th- that just kind of gives me pause when I hear something like that.
0: The that's, bail, I believe, is two million dollars right now, and the uh, attorneys for the man that's been charged, they're saying that's ridiculous. You don't have enough to lock right. him up for this, so they've got a new hearing coming up. <sighs> the lawyer spoke, and we've got that audio coming up. Uh, NCAA, uh, I'm sorry. NAACP.
2: it's a difference between the two. Yes. NAACP and NCAA. Uh, the uh, NAACP president uh, calling for advertisers to suspend their business deals with Twitter.
0: Boycott Twitter. Oh, oh, boycott. Here it comes.
2: After Elon Musk, the CEO, creator of Tesla, owner of Twitter, announced that former President Donald Trump can return the platform. A good old
0: uh, call for a, a, boycott. B- a boycott, yes. So, you know where I stand on this. These never work, and more often than not, you end up hurting the people that you care about. Because let's say that uh, Derek Johnson, he's the president of the NAACP, yeah. he starts getting people to boycott Twitter. Well, guess who Elon Musk is going to lay off first? Those low level employees uh, that, you know, hey, we're not meeting any revenue standards here. I've got to make another round of firings. You're not going to hurt Elon Musk. You're going to cost the jobs of some people who might even agree with you. Plus,
2: I don't hear Derek Johnson calling for to boy, advertisers to boycott Twitter when the like you know the Ayatollah Khomeini is on Twitter. Correct, from Iran. You know, like the leaders from Iran and these total oppressive human rights violators all have a presence. On the platform. I never heard word one from these guys when that happened. Are you going to tell me Donald Trump is going to
0: cause you to make a statement and get into a little tizzy over this whole thing? According Give to the break. NAACP president, Derek Johnson, Donald Trump is worse than OJ. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And OJ is out there just tweeting up a storm, putting videos out. Hello, Twitter world. It's yours truly. <laughs>
2: So, <laughs> so OJ and uh, the Ayatollah, they're fine on Twitter, but the NAACP puts out a statement when Donald Trump gets reinstated. That's where they draw That's, the line. That is, that is crazy. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. We'll be back, 93 WIBC.